Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome all of you watching online. Uh, we're so glad that you are with us today and joined us. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I began a series last week, uh, Before You Choose, Before You Choose, entitled Before You Choose. Uh, Every day... We have, have to make choices every day, whether we like it or not. And every day, those choices are oftentimes clouded by several things I mentioned last week, and I'll recap. Number one, by pain. You can tell when someone's in pain, and uh, oftentimes their response comes out of pain. And uh, if we don't somehow make the choice to not be affected by that pain, we'll take on that pain and we too will respond out of pain. And so it's important that we make a choice ahead of time how we're going to respond to that pain. 2014, darkest year of my entire life, lost about everything. My comment to myself, now please get this, to yourself, not to everybody else, but to myself, I made this comment, I will not waste this moment and I will not waste this sin. I will use it instead of being abused by it. I made a choice ahead of time. What I meant by that was I could either allow the events in my life to negatively affect me and impact me for the rest of my life, or I could choose to use them to grow and to learn. It was a choice I had to make. And let me just tell you something. It's not a one-time choice. It's a daily choice. Because the devil will always use your biggest mistakes in your past to torment your future and to try to convince you that your past is the foundation of your future, and it's not. God is the foundation of your life, and he's the foundation of your future. I don't build on the past, though I will use the past. I've chosen I'll use the past to make better decisions in the future. There will always be people that want to remind you of your past. Very few people want to tell you about your future. So I'd rather talk about your future than your past because we all have a past. Now, some of y'all don't think you do, and I won't even remind you that you do because maybe you're doing fine living in denial. But to me, the greatest way to live an abundant life is to be able to embrace all of life in an in a very productive way. So when I say embrace it, it doesn't mean you're embracing your mistake, but you're embracing the fact that you made that mistake and that you're going to address it. Second thing I talked about was anger. When you're angry, you will not make good choices. Matter of fact, many people today are incarcerated not because they're bad people. They just made a bad choice. And in a moment of rage or anger, They made a choice that they regret. They'll regret it the rest of their lives. But if we're not careful, we label them 
as bad people. And I don't believe there is such a thing as a bad person. I believe there are a lot of wonderful people, over 7 billion people on this earth that are absolutely wonderful that have made some really bad choices. You see, that way you're not labeling somebody for the rest of their life saying, well, you're just a bad person. No, there aren't bad people. There are just good people who make bad choices. And if we can do that, we give hope to those who have made bad choices in the past, and we don't label them so that they're stuck wherever that mistake was made. I could easily be stuck in 2014. I could live the rest of my life in that one year. I could just keep on keeping on, reminding everybody, reminding myself. But it was just a part of my life. It's such a small part of my life. If you take one bad year in your life and you live to be 80, you've done really good because you've had 79 good ones. But that one year oftentimes defines a person if you can't get beyond it. So you have to wake up every day and say, I choose to get beyond it. The other thing says, I'm tired. Oh, God. And so, <laughs> you know, I can say amen to that. You know, you get, you get to that place. And I, I used to be the guy that, you know, I'm a little more of a realist than I used to be. I'm a, I'm a real optimist. But also, there is that reality that if you can acknowledge fatigue, doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're tired. And so, I would never admit that because I grew up in John Wayne's neighborhood. And, and so you just didn't admit your anything because you were afraid it was a weakness. It's not weakness to be tired, folks. Everybody gets tired. And if you're telling yourself you're never tired, you're a liar or you're on drugs. You get tired. And so I, I created this policy that I don't make choices while I'm tired. I don't make choices while I'm angry most of the time. I don't make choices uh, while I'm, I'm in pain. I, I always I wait. Like Susan's a type A, and she'll start talking. She's really great and diligent and wonderful. But there are times I look at her and I say, what time is it? She'll say, 6 o'clock. I said, this ain't a time to have this conversation. But, but it needs to, no, it doesn't need to be handled right now. I am the boss. Oh, not of her, of the church. Let me clarify. Dear Jesus, help me. Thank you, Patrice. Thank you. But I say, you know, if this has to do with church, take a chill pill. Jesus might come back tonight, and it's irrelevant. So when I go through this series, I'm, which I'm very excited about, because uh, right now we're all having to make some pretty tough choices. We have a world that's angry, out of control, people at each other's necks, and, and, and just angry. We have an angry world right now. And it's so important that, that we as Christians uh, maintain a love for all sides. Doesn't mean we agree with all sides, but we maintain a love and respect for all sides. Because at the end of the day, this thing will play out by the will of God. And you know what? You don't know what that is, and neither do I. But we can hope, and we do hope for the best. And so in order to keep peace, we have to make a choice to keep peace. Bible says that, you, that we have to keep our minds on him. If you'll keep your mind stayed on him, he said he'll keep you in perfect peace. So whenever I find myself slipping out of peace, what I'm telling myself is I've slipped out of keeping my mind on him. And I do that from time to time where I lose that, and I realize I have not put my trust 
are my thoughts on him consistently? And it's important that we do that. So in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Now, it's really interesting. He uses that word against you. He said, I've called heaven and earth to witness against you. Not for you, but against you today. But then he goes on to say, based on this following, I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. And love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. Oh, yes, he is life itself, a long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very important that we understand that the life that we are currently living and the life that we will live is not the result of God's choosing because God's already chosen. So God's not getting up every day and saying, well, I think I'll choose you today. You are chosen. It's based on our choices now. And many people blame God for where they are today or where they're not. Well, I can't believe God did that for somebody else and he didn't do it for me. Let me just tell you what God did for somebody else was because they chose to let God do that or they chose to believe God would do that. Because God's already chosen. God's made his decision and you are his decision. You are his choice. You are his, the apple of his eye. You are his beloved. God's chosen. Now, I know that the outcome of my life is based on me connecting with what he's chosen and choosing what he's chosen instead of what I want to choose. Because there are things I want to choose that God doesn't want me to choose. During my, my sabbatical, if you will, for about a year, I began to think of other things that I could do that I could really do other than preach the gospel, which I've done since 1977 when I was 10 years old. Really? It's not kind of you. But I've chosen since that time to commit my life to Jesus when I got born again. And I couldn't think of anything else I could do. And I was always told when I first said I felt called to preach, the old school preachers, religious guys, well, you know what? If you could do anything else, you need to go do it. If the only thing you can do is preach, then that's good. But if you can do anything else, go do it. In other words, don't think that this is just a part of the smorgasbord of your destiny. It is either your destiny or it's not. It's one or not. And I realize this is it for me. I, I, I mean, I can do other things. I, I mean, I, I'm not great at probably much of anything, but I can do other things. But this is what I do. And, and this is my choice. And there were times I didn't want to choose this. In 2014, I thought, you know what? This is not an easy job. And you talk to any pastor, probably over a 1,000 a month quit. And I'm not trying to get your sympathy, but I'm just saying we are nothing more than spiritual plumbers. Are you feeling me? We're dealing with spiritual stuff. If I wasn't in church, I'd be more graphic. It would be appropriate but not necessary. So the reality is that we get to choose. And I went, go back last week to 
Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to just recap. You may remember the story that Cain and Abel, here they are, the firstborn of hum- humanity, and, and, and Cain is working the land, Abel's working the flocks, and the Bible says that Cain brought to God a sacrifice of some of what he produced, but Abel brought to God the very first and best of his flock. God looked in favor on Abel because Abel chose wisely. He put God first. Now, please get this. this. If there's one thing I can tell you that I believe is for all mankind is God must be first. I have told Susan, I said, you know what? You nor my children get first place in my life. God gets first place in my life. If anybody ever told me, try to tell me not to do what I'm called to do, you're on your own because I'm going to follow Jesus because someday I'm not going to stand before you, my children, or Susan. I'm going to stand before the King of Kings and I want to be able to say, I chose you. I chose you. I chose you over bitterness. I chose you over unforgiveness. I chose you over criticism. I chose you over hatred. I chose you over opportunity. I chose you over other people. I chose you, God. And if that separates me from all the human race, I'm going with God. And Abel had that commitment that God was first. Somehow he got it, somehow Cain didn't. And since Cain didn't get it and God didn't look on favor on, uh, uh, upon Cain, he, then Cain kills Abel. Let me tell you, people want to kill you when you put God first. Hello, somebody. When you begin to say God first, you can, you, can, you can have my job, you can have my promotion, you can have my house, you can have my car, but you cannot have my relationship with God. You cannot come between me and Jesus. I'm going to keep pressing into him. When all the chaos is going on in the world around us, we have to choose wisely. A world that believes no longer that there is an absolute truth. That that the majority of even religious people don't believe in absolute truth. Christianity has cratered. And so, well, you know, if I don't believe everybody's going to heaven and that there are many ways to heaven, then I'm a hater. It's exactly what the world wants you to believe. But let me tell you something. You have to stand up and say, you can believe what you want, and I'm going to love you. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven except by him. You will be accused of being a hater, being narrow-minded. Let me tell you, stay a hater in their mind and stay narrow-minded if that's what it takes. But you must not move. Must not move. As I said last week, you could try to go your own way. I believe there was a song, go your own. Anyway, so you can't go your own way and achieve God's way. We have to choose God every day. So when you get up, from now on, let's start right now. Say, I choose you, God. I choose you today above everything and everybody and everything. I choose you. Now, we're called to love and serve and do things and and care for other people. I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is God must be first. So you and I have to create firsts in our lives. There are many things and many people who want first place in your life. And, boy, I'm going to tell you, I made that very clear 
right up front to my wife, God is first. And I hope God is first for you. Because I'm going to tell you something. He's a lot better than me. Man, I tell you, the last thing, person I'd want to be in this world would be Jesus. Now, there are people who want to be Jesus. They just don't want to use the name. They act like Jesus. Well, they don't because Jesus doesn't control you. He gives you a free will, but they want to be the Lord of your life. He's the only capable Lord of anybody's life. We choose him. We must remember no matter the cost that God is first. Read this quote. It says, being who they want you to be only gets you as far as they want you to go. Being who someone else wants you to be will only get you as far as they want you to go. You see, Jesus, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. There are no limitations. And so Jesus is like cheering us on every day. The great cloud of witnesses talked about in the book of Hebrews, cheering us on while the world is clamoring and pulling on us and trying to pull us back. The Roe v. Wade situation has been a very challenging situation. You know, it's pro-choice and all the choosing and all of that. And, you know, I will tell you, I ran across America in 1990 for the unborn. And it's always an issue of debate. But when I was running and doing interviews and I was standing toe-to-toe and face-to-face with many of the people who opposed pro-life, my number one comment to them was, I love you, God loves you, we just disagree. You see what I'm saying? I didn't give up any ground, but I didn't give away any hate. And and this great debate right now is going on, and we have protests, and we have angry people, and and all of this. And I'm not going to get into that. What I'm saying is, don't buy in to the hatred and the anger. Stand your ground. I'm very much stand my ground. Believe in life. I gave my life for life, and and I, I believe in that. And, and now a lot of pastors will be quiet about this over the, but let me just tell you, and I'm not mad at anybody. Matter of fact, I've helped women who've gone through abortions. I've, we've helped fund their life and get them back in, in order. I'm all about it. But let me just say this to you. There comes a time, and that time is now, that you're going to have to say God is first above and beyond. And you can hate me. You can criticize me. You can separate yourself from me, but nothing will separate me from the love of God. Paul said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. It's interesting, Paul says, one thing I do. Paul said, I don't do many things, but here's one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press. He doesn't say I stroll, I cruise, I float. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you want to get to your destiny, there will be a press. There is no easy way, no fast track to your destiny, your purpose, the abundant life. There is none. The devil will oppose you, and if he's not opposing you, you should be very surprised right now. There is opposition on every corner, every front. There are challenges that will try to distract you. Trust me, every Saturday while y'all are having fun watching football, the devil's at my house. I didn't say Susan. I said the devil. 
Because you know what? Jesse will tell you, anybody getting ready to preach the gospel on Sunday is in hell on Saturday. And if they don't admit they are, they're probably not really preaching the gospel. Because if you're getting ready to preach the good news, the devil wants you to preach bad news. You didn't come to hear my story. You came to hear his story, the greatest story ever told. So we have to constantly go back and go, this is not about me. This is about Jesus. That's where I try to keep it. Exodus 23, verse 19, it says, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, this is interesting because we see here in Exodus after Genesis that, that Cain was working the land and he didn't bring the very best of the first fruits. He brought some. So it's interesting in Exodus that God is saying, no, I want the best of the first fruits, not just from your flock, but from your produce. Now, today we know that, that the currency of that day would have been animals and would have been uh, gardening and fruits and all of that. That was the currency of that day. And so today we have money. Thank God that, you know, I don't have to go sit on a, 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 a riverbank to catch fish. All I got to do is go to Target. You can get those nasty worms. You can sit out there and get bit by mosquitoes and think you're having a good time. Let me tell you, I catch all of mine in the frozen food section. You can go get bit and all that and mess with slimy worms and skinning them and filleting them and doing all that. I'm smart. So now the currency of our day is the dollar in America. And God's saying bring the first fruit. Again, this is a big deal. In Deuteronomy 26, when you have entered the land of the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil and the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Now, many people today want to ignore God's first principles. The first day of the week, we worship. We bring the first of the best. We bring the first of our fruit, of our income. We bring the first. God doesn't, it's not like you get paid on Monday and Friday, you go, oh yeah, I guess we probably ought to give something to Jesus. Let me know how that works for you. It usually doesn't. It's I'm putting God first. God's going to get the first. God's going to get the best. When I get paid, I don't even wait. I'm on texting I'm text to give right there, right there. The minute I text to give. So, well, you don't need to do that. I, you may not need to. I need to. God gets first. He, I'm not looking going, I got to pay this bill and this bill. And God, if there's anything left over, I'll give you some. I want to be at the gate when you have that conversation. Well, you know, Jesus, I just had to pay the visa. No, I would have taken care of those bills if you'd have put me first. Oh, I went from pastoring to meddling. And you can get mad at me all you want. That ain't going to change my happiness. Your anger ain't going to change my peace that passes all understanding. Trust me, I'm so used to getting criticized. It's just a part of my diet. Oh, yeah, then there's Matthew 6.33 for all you people that don't like the Old Testament. And you don't have to do this anymore. But seek first his kingdom. Now, many people, when you use the word kingdom, they think it's just a heaven with a bunch of buildings and palaces. 
His kingdom is larger than all of that. His kingdom is made up of people, of actions, of attitudes. Seek first his kingdom. In his kingdom is an attitude of love, of peace, of joy, of mercy. That's the attitude of God's kingdom. Serving is an attitude of God's kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. His serving, his loving, his giving. There'll be Red Bull in heaven. In the course of time, going back to Cain, in the course of time, Cain brought some. Some. This phrase to me indicates that Cain's interest in self, he had more interest in self than he did God. He didn't communicate, God, you are my everything. You are my interest. You are the first thought. You are the first person I thank in the morning when I get up. So while some factors that lead to bad decision-making are difficult to eliminate, there are steps that you can take, and these are ones you're going to want to write down, to help make better choices. Some strategies that can be helpful, number one, prioritize important decisions. Don't just make important decisions on the fly. Don't just include an important decision amongst all the other decisions in your life. Prioritize important decisions. Ask yourself the question, is this urgent or is it important? Many people make decisions based on urgency, not importance. You feel like you have to do it right now. You know, every time you go to buy a car or clothes, somebody's trying to push you to buy something. And you feel compelled. Well, now, you know, this deal's only going to last till 5 o'clock today. Can I tell you something? Go back tomorrow and it'll be there tomorrow. Am I saying they're lying? Maybe. The idea is to create a sense of urgency that forces you to make a decision you're not ready to make. Matter of fact, if you walk away from it, somebody might actually give you what you were about to buy. This can combat decision fatigue. Don't forget that. Decision fatigue and ensure that you have the necessary cognitive resources to make the best choices. So decision fatigue is that maybe on Monday you've got to determine a dentist appointment, doctor's appointment. You've got all these things. And before you know it, you're trying to make decisions and maybe just a decision what color you're going to color your hair. I quit, and you can tell. My face began to betray my hair color. <laughs> when somebody got black hair and they're 90, you know that ain't their real color. <laughs> I'm sure I'm irritating somebody right now. How did he know? Come on, really? Eliminate distractions. If many different things compete for your attention, you're less likely to have the time, energy, and attention to focus on the available information and choices. I think sometime last week I talked about being well-informed before you make a decision. Be well-informed. Do your research. It's beautiful. Nowadays, you got Google. I mean, if you want to know anything, it's really cool. You just Google it. Don't ask Siri. She's not as smart as Google. Sometimes I ask Siri questions she can't answer. And every now and then I think of questions I want to ask to see if she can't answer. 
And there are times she cannot answer. And I go, you're so dumb. She goes, I did not hear that or something stupid. I don't understand. Why would you say that? Some of y'all, when you get bored, just play with Siri a little while. You'll get excited. But you, everything's at your fingertips. So if you want to know the value of something, all you got to do is Google it and know if you're getting a good deal or not. I mean, used to, you didn't know. You, you'd have to go research it, ask somebody, but now it's at your fingertips. And, and so making decisions today is really, even though it's overwhelming as how fast the world's spinning, Making decisions today has really become a lot easier if you take the time. Now, one of the hardest things to do is control our emotions. Our emotions end up making a lot of our decisions, and that's just really not the best. Think as a man thinks, not as a man feels in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart. So we have to re, re, sometimes recalibrate our thinking. And, and there will always be differences in people who have differences of opinions. And, my, my, and I wish I would have originated this, not that it would have mattered because nobody cares. But, you know, we can ad- agree to disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what happens. People who don't believe in that will always push you to get you to agree with what they believe. And I oftentimes just look at somebody and say, we can just agree to disagree because I'm not going to believe what you believe or I'm not going to go the way you're going. I make that choice ahead of time. Used to, I wanted people, because I was insecure about what I believed, I, I, if I could get you to believe what I believed, then I was secure in what I believed. Guess what? I don't care if you believe what I believe or not. I'm very secure in what I believe right now. Right. And I'm not mad at you for being dumb. I mean, not agreeing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so, it's very, very important that we understand we are where we are today because of the choices that we've made. For the most part, I can give grace, and maybe there are some things out there that that have happened beyond your control, and you didn't make the decision, and I get that. But oftentimes, if not most of the time, we are where we are because of the choices we've made. You say, well, my husband decided to divorce me. It wasn't my choice. But you know what? It is your choice how you're going to respond to his choice. That's your choice. Now, he made a choice, but now you have to make a choice to determine what you're going to do with the choice that was made that you didn't make. That's a lot of choices. Number three, consider all the options. There are people who think in black and white. And and they make up their minds so quickly that they didn't even realize there were several other options that might have been better or just as good. So when you are going through this process, I mean, don't you think for a minute that Cain should have stopped and said, hold it. Now, why did God look in favor on Abel? He didn't get enough information to realize all God was saying is, if you will bring me the first fruits of the land, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing for you that I'm doing for Abel. That's all, that's all Cain had to do was say, God, where have I missed it? And God would have said, well, you know, you just kind of went through and decided to throw me some sacrificial carrots. You didn't really put any thought into it. You didn't really, it really wasn't something that you went, this is the best. I really, these are great. I'm going to give God some of the others because these are like, this watermelon's huge. I'm going to give God a little melon. He said, all you have to do is ask me or ask Abel, what is it about what you're doing? But here's what we do. We get jealous and we get angry. Yeah. 
Somebody gets a new car you've been wanting. You told them you wanted that car. And they went and bought the car you wanted. And now you're going, but you can't afford it. So now they got it. Now you're mad at them. Is it their fault they were smarter than you or able to go do it? Or was it that they weren't smarter than you, but they just went and did it. And, and now all of a sudden you're angry with them. You've chosen to be angry because they got something you wanted. And that's what happened to Cain. Abel got God's blessing. Cain wanted the blessing. And instead of finding out how the blessing came, he got angry. So when somebody's doing well, make them your best friend. Don't make them your enemy. Make them your friend. Tell me. Inform me. Inform me. Educate me. Help me understand how this is happening to you because I'm so happy for you. And if you can tell me, that gives me the opportunity to do the same thing. While it might save time to just focus on the most obvious choice, weighing all the options might help you make a better choice. Then take a break and come back later. Sometimes you just need to tell people who want an answer right now, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Let me ask God what he wants me to do. Because before I make a choice, I want to make sure I make a God choice. Now, all the choices you make may not make everybody happy. I'll never forget. I was struggling with an employee one time, and he was one of my best friends. I hired him from California. Uh, I had done youth camps for him and with him, and I brought him to be my youth pastor, and and I was just so troubled. He, he, He was a good person. I mean, one of the finest human beings you'll ever meet, but he wasn't, the program wasn't keeping up with the church. And I didn't want to terminate him. I brought him all in, all the way in from California, and, and I loved him. I still love him. But I woke up one morning. I'm telling you, I was I, every day, God, what do I do? I was asking God. I woke up one morning. I heard the voice of God say, today's the day. And I knew. It wasn't that I looked forward to it, but I had waited. I took a break. I weighed the options. And so the option was I offered him another position. Because he's very called and gifted, and, but it wasn't in this area. Maybe his time had run out. I don't know. I didn't ask God. All I know was God said, this is what I want you to do. And I went, and I said, you know what? You're my friend. You'll always be my friend. And I said, what I'd like to do is offer you. I said, you're great at counseling, one of the smartest guys I'd ever met. I said, I'd like to offer you a position in that area. He declined. Well, it didn't go well because I guess, you know, you feel like a failure i failed at stuff before. What I've learned is I'm not good at some things I thought I might be good at. And you know what? Thank God for somebody honest enough to say you kind of suck. In a real godly way. You know, I mean, sometimes when people tell you the truth, remember I've shared this before, truth will always hurt before it heals if you're not in truth. So sometimes we get outside of truth, truth about ourselves, truth about how we think about God. We get outside those and somebody comes up and says, you know what? Let me just check you on this. But I realized I had to obey God. It's easy to get overwhelmed, especially when making a complex or important decision. Take a break. Give yourself some time. Come back to it and you might see it differently and then last thing is and we'll close with this i think 
ask for outside input. And don't go to your friend that they're going to rubber stamp everything. Ask for outside input. What do you think about this? What do you see? Do you see something that I'm not seeing? If so, give me that input. But that takes time. It takes courage. It takes confidence. It takes security. Believing that somebody might know something you don't know. And that's okay. We're better together. You put our minds and hearts together, and if we all want the will of God, then you know what? God's going to have his way if we want his will. But we have to be willing to put him first. And when you go to somebody say, you know what? Can you pray with me or pray for me? Like into this worship experience, our prayer team will be right over here to my left. And you know, sometimes you just go up and say, would you pray with me? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to navigate my situation and I'll give you you know as much as I'm comfortable giving you you don't have to give all the details I need the wisdom of God I need the wisdom of God I had a situation last week where I just didn't know what to do I mean I was at a very pivotal place and I sat down and I said Holy Spirit would you please give me direction within 30 minutes I knew exactly what to do, got on the phone, did it, and it's all worked out. But man, we got to the apex of this cliff, and without God, I think I would have jumped. You know, you get to that place, you go, man, I just don't know what to do. And guess what? God worked it all out, and he's in the process of working it out right now. But you know what? In the past, I would have fought through, you know, probably in the flesh, try to, and who knows, it might have gotten through, but there would have been a lot of casualties. With God, he minimizes the casualties, and oftentimes there are none, but we have to allow him to be God. Let's pray. Father, we want you to be not just the Lord of lords, but the Lord of our lives, the Lord of every detail of our lives. And so, Lord, today we choose you. You've chosen us, but we choose you, God. We choose you today. We choose your wisdom, your counsel, your correction. Whatever needs to happen in our lives today, God, we choose you. Because we know that you see the beginning from the end. You see it all. The entire process of our lives. So, Lord... In the dips, in the valleys, in the mountaintops, wherever we might be, be the Lord of our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you watching online, and there are those of you that will pray this prayer for the first time. There are those of you that will pray this prayer and say, I've been distant from God. I feel far removed from God. And this prayer, what you're saying is, God, connect me. Or reconnect me with you. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my friend. I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you came to the Lord or you came back to the Lord, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310.
405-500-1310. Just put the word saved in there, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.